everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss. I am a licensed clinician specializing in those things. And thank you all for joining me today for this episode. So for those of you who are new, this is a podcast where you can send me questions and it's a question and answer paced show. So send me questions over at fearcastpodcast.com. I will uh, read it, consider it, and likely put it up on a future episode as most of the episodes have been. Additionally, everybody, you can send me audio questions. So if you record your question, you can record it into your phone, uh, you can record it into your computer, however you need to record your um, audio, and you can go and email it to me at questions at fearcastpodcast.com. You can also email me like a, a Google Drive link. So if you take that audio, upload it to a Google Drive, just send me the link and I'll be able to download that, f- that file, plop it into an episode, and I will uh, get to it and have that up. So um, I've been getting more and more of those. So thank you all for being brave enough to send those in and attaching your voice to it. The real reason that I do that is just because I find your voice so much more interesting than mine. And I think so many people will be more interested in hearing what you have to say from your voice, not just hearing me read your, um, your your written questions, though we've been doing that for all this time and it's worked out great. So again, thank you all for sending those in. So this episode is going to be a little bit different. So this episode is going to be talking about trigger warnings. So um, this is one of those episodes that I record and I'm just going at the very beginning, gosh, I wonder if this is a good idea for me to even do this. But here we are recording it anyways. So I uh, So I'm going to talk a little bit about what trigger warnings are, tell you a little bit about why I'm doing this episode, and also to introduce my two, or three actually, special guests. So the two special, or again, the three special guests uh, that I have for this episode are going to be Kelly Frankie. Lauren Rosen and Nathan Peterson. So I've had uh, I've had Lauren and Kelly on past episodes, and uh, I presented with them at uh, the IOCDF conferences and uh, or uh, the national conference and some uh, local conferences as well. I've known them for many years, um, and uh, you might know them from uh, from Instagram. They are very popular over there. Um, I'll include links to their um, Instagram accounts. But um, these are two uh, OCD specialists who just they, they know what they're doing. They are are um, just a delightful, wonderful people, and they were uh, gracious enough to be on to talk about their experiences with trigger warnings, what their thoughts are on them, and maybe some, and offering some advice on how you can best deal with them or deal with the lack of them um, as things go. Um, a, a new person to the podcast might not be a new person to you if you're listening to this, Um uh, the, the other person I have on is Nathan Peterson. Uh, Nathan Peterson is a licensed specialist uh, or a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety treatment. He can be found at ocdandanxietycounseling.com. Uh, not only does he have a very thriving practice, he also has a very active social media presence um, uh, advocating for OCD uh, or advocating for OCD treatment. He's an educator in OCD and also has a very popular and very good uh, YouTube channel uh, where he talks about some fundamental fundamentals of what OCD and anxiety treatment are. Um, and uh, he was wonderful enough to give us some time to talk about what his thoughts are on trigger warnings and uh, also what folks can do about this. So uh, so as I mentioned, um, gosh, sometimes I just do some episodes and wonder, is this going to be a really good idea or is this going to be a, a terrible, terrible idea? And sometimes I just don't know. And um, But I thought, I, I thought, why not have, uh, why not talk about this at some point? Because trigger warnings for those of you who are new to them or let's be honest if you've been on the internet or been in existence for any amount of time you're familiar with trigger warnings so I want to talk a little bit about the history of them talk a little bit about the research of, uh, behind them and then tell you a little bit about my feelings behind them or, or of them or for, towards them as, as well I, I feel a little sheepish even starting this episode because I feel like I want to offer a trigger warning to people as I progress into this episode. However, um, I also realize that that is, uh, as you will soon hear, um, slightly hypocritical and perhaps a little silly for me to do that. Um, but, but, um, 
it's one of those episodes where I, as a therapist, and I just as a person, sometimes worry that this will be controversial, or it will be upsetting, or it will be bothersome. But uh, as, I, as I will get into, we will talk about what that is all about. So the inspiration for this episode really came from, gosh, a bunch of episodes ago. I had offered, uh, or I had done a podcast on some content, and I got an email from a listener, and thank you so much for sending this in, that um, they thought that I should have tagged a trigger warning onto that episode, just to let somebody know who might be listening that, you know, I'm going to be talking about some content that might be upsetting, might be bothersome to some people, and that the people who might be activated or triggered by that information may want to they want to know in advance what they're getting into before they they find themselves in the middle of something that may be coming triggering or bothersome or distressing to them so uh, it got me thinking about well you know this is an episode or this is a, a podcast about OCD this is a mental health related informational podcast and do, do I really need to be putting on a trigger warning for something knowing that I mean Y'all listening to this, you know that we talk about some very awkward, very uncomfortable, very sometimes taboo subjects, right? Do we need to be expecting, do we need to be anticipating that or uh, that we should be getting trigger warnings? So I, I wanted to kind of delve into that. And I, that's why I have some guests on to reach out to them, to ask them what their opinions are on this. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll get to those interviews here in a bit. But why don't we just get into a little bit of this? So for those of you who may not know, trigger warnings are, it's, it's, a, it's a notice that some content may be distressing. Now, these were originally way back in the day, where the, way back in the day, you know, in the early 2000s, they were added, they were, they were added by some uh, blog writers. Um, at the very beginning of their articles to talk about and, and warn readers that potentially there's going to be some information in here that might be uh, activating to someone. And this was really to anticipate somebody's potential PTSD, a trauma history, to help them anticipate, prepare for, or potentially avoid information that may re-trigger the experience of trauma. So they started out as a very innocent sort of way to let people know or give them the option to either proceed and and maybe get triggered but also to to potentially not read it and uh, it avoids some unwanted feelings now these trigger warnings as an idea started to gain some traction and have started to become part of um, the academic circles or the you know the academic scene where in a lot of colleges professors would talk about or, or give a trigger warning for content that may be coming up either in the class or maybe you know imminent in the lecture or in the readings that may uh, make people feel uncomfortable and the purpose of them can be or the purpose of them ultimately is to acknowledge the potential pain that someone may may have and to validate their humanity in, in that situation that may cause them some significant pain. So at its core, they can be very heart, heartfelt. They can be very thoughtful for someone. They've obviously, if you have been paying attention at all, they can they have become very politicized as well. People have a lot of problems in saying, well, we're 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 caring after snowflakes who can't take care of themselves, or we um, you know, we, we can't whitewash everything to make everything be just happy and clean and without problem that people need to toughen up is some of the criticism that people have been getting and to a certain degree i also understand that perspective so they've done some research into this and the research is it is actually kind of interesting at least i found so at least in a summary or the conclusions of it one study found that trigger warnings actually didn't significantly reduce the subjective experience of anxiety and it therefore was not effective in in the long run compared to actual therapy so specifically for people who are experiencing trauma Having a trigger warning in this study didn't find that it, it reduced anxiety that much when compared to someone actually going through therapy to deal with that trauma, that was more effective. Now, in other cases or in other studies, they found that trigger warnings actually increased the amount of anxiety and anxious response from people. So when they said, hey, everybody, there's going to be a trigger warning for X type of content, that actually increased someone's subjective experience of anxiety and distress in anticipation for what they may encounter, not even having encountered it. 
So, other research found that trigger warnings can prolong the suffering for those who are who are diagnosed with PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder. So, someone who's had who's had a trauma, and um, they find and they, they are kind of identifying with this. So, in other words, that that the diagnosis of PTSD and that trauma has become a central component to their identity. This person found, or, or this study found, that folks in that in, in who are who are kind of making their diagnosis more of who they are rather than something that they are experiencing or something that they are suffering with. For this person, trigger warnings prolonged it, kind of made it a bigger deal than it should have been. I will also say this. Despite the fears that trigger warnings would lead to just this massive avoidance, uh, these studies ultimately found that they didn't actually lead to mass avoidance of materials. So while they didn't lead to mass avoidance of the materials, they ultimately found that trigger warnings, and this is kind of study after study found, they didn't really work in really reducing someone's anxiety. It just kind of didn't really do a whole lot. One person actually recommended, or, or one, one study I read, um, or one paper I read, rather, um, talked about uh, how some people have recommended, instead of using the word trigger and warning, so trigger warning, um, for this, they should be using something called a content note. The idea that the word or the phrase trigger warning can be activating and insinuate that people ought to be afraid. So they should be nervous following this information or in anticipation of this information. In other words, saying that, these, that this information is threatening and dangerous. But however, the critics of this, uh, of, of saying instead of trigger warning, they should say content note, is that they just they essentially said people aren't stupid. People know what a trigger warning is, and they're going to hear content note, and they're going to know tr- content note is code for trigger warnings. So, uh, that, that's one of the suggestions that people have made to try to get around this term. So, if research is showing that trigger warnings ultimately aren't really helpful in helping someone to deal with trauma or anxiety or distress in someone's life, I, I guess the other question is, well, are they harming anybody? So, as I previously mentioned, while the, while the initial criticism of them is that they would, they would lead to just massive avoidance, and, and we all know what anxiety or, or how anxiety responds to avoidance, right? It ultimately doesn't help. While that, while that was an initial fear, again, these studies didn't find that people were avoiding things. So if research is showing that trigger warnings ultimately aren't very helpful, one one may ask, well, are they harmful? Are they not helpful for what their intended purpose is? So as I previously mentioned, while the previous or some of the initial criticism was that people may just massively avoid um, avoid the information or click out of or not engage with whatever content it is. People found that that uh, that actually wasn't really happening. But what it ultimately doesn't allow people to do is to be able to have flexibility with information they're hearing, and to be able to tolerate information that comes that just comes. Additionally, if people are using trigger warnings or expecting trigger warnings as a, as a way of, of effectively dealing with and managing their anxieties, as their triggers, I'm going to say that word so many times today, triggers and just the stuff that bothers them, rather than engaging with treatment, then then they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They're kind of saying, I need to make sure that anything that bothers me is actually, it is, in a sense, avoided or named or cited so that I can kind of move around it, so that I know that I can have the right response to it. It kind of sends this message that the world around us is constantly dangerous, that the world around us needs to be like carefully anticipated, that there are tigers around every single corner, and that also that these are things that I just can't deal with, that I'm unable to manage it. Now, I'll get into some of the ways that, that people can, can, can start to manage this. But the reality is, is that e- even if we get a content warning or a content note or a trigger warning, whatever it may be, it's going to ultimately be impossible to anticipate all content that could activate somebody's or even your own trauma 
anxiety or pain. So I want to give you an example. So let's say, you know, if we're talking about having a car accident on the way to go see the, you know, I don't know, the LA Dodgers, right? To, to see them play. Well, I could provide a trigger warning about potentially graphic information about the accident, right? Or just kind of simply about kind of car accidents can be triggering to people. Now, that might help people in some instances, but ultimately that's not going to help someone whose abuse history was perpetrated by a father who loved the Dodgers or someone who gets panic attacks or panic symptoms uh, when they start thinking about large crowds. So while the trigger warning may be about a content A, I can't anticipate as a as a educator, as a therapist, um, writer or blogger or podcaster that that subject B is not the problem here, or that quote the 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 problem. So even even if someone who then is kind of hoping or expecting that they're going to hear trigger warnings about stuff so that they can manage their own expectations or that they can make that decision on their own whether or not they should engage with it or avoid it they ultimately they can't even predict that that trigger is going to ultimately be helpful for them in whatever trauma constellations that they have in their life So then, what is it that any of us, any one of us, can do about these trigger warnings? Well, as we know, avoiding them only gives temporary relief. But so we need to find out a, a plan on how we can deal with just situations as they arise, situations that may cause us nervousness or distress. We need to have a plan. So uh, a couple things that we can do about it. So number one, for you out there, know what your triggers are as best you possibly can. Consider, consider and acknowledge just what triggers you, what makes you feel uncomfortable, what brings on that distress, and begin working really hard to start facing those issues through therapy as best you can, as best you, as your, your means are available. So addition to, similar to that, then engage with therapy. Now, again, there are going to be a lot of different ways that you can do this. There's going to be a lot of free resources out there if you don't have access to treatment. Um, but uh, there going to be access, uh, excuse me, there's going to be information out there through books or blogs or podcasts or um, a number of different ways online. There are libraries that have really fantastic books on how to deal with trauma or distress or anxiety or or phobias. Um, but to engage with it, and that might be again through exposures, trauma trauma treatment, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness and acceptance, meditation, medication, all of these things are, 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 are ways to help deal with your trauma and anxiety. Next is you should develop a really good set of coping skills. And that can be through a, a breathing exercises, a diffusion through act, attention training, just general self-care, exercise, and even a th even therapeutic relationships with a, a therapist or, or friends. So having a couple of things that you know that you can do. So when you get triggered, not if, but when you hear information that's anxiety provoking, ultimately I'm saying, how is it that you're going to deal with that anxiety? How are you going to ride that wave of anxiety? We all need to have those special tools and tricks. Now, I will say avoidance is one of them. It's one of them. It's not the number one, but it's one of them. So, when distressful or when stressful things happen, or we, you know, if we know we're just kind of raw about a certain subject, of course, we need to talk about it. We need to deal with it. We need to find a way to get square with it with ourselves. But um, other ways that we can deal with our anxiety, you know what? As I previously mentioned, doing breathing exercises, taking a break, chatting with people, expressing yourself, um, uh, practicing distancing yourself from that content, not engaging with this rumination. Another thing that can be helpful is to practice non-engagement responses to triggers. And I might have talked about these on a previous episode, but non-engagement responses are things that we can say that acknowledge the distress, the pain, the urges that we have, but without actually then getting into an argument with them or against them or about them. So, for example, we might say like, "Ugh, hearing that makes me feel so frustrated. Hearing that makes me want to leave the room. I'd say, gosh, if that, uh, if that were to happen to me or if that were to happen to me again, that would be awful and terrible. Now, some of these things can be helpful, but ultimately in that, in that statement, 
it acknowledges our experience, it acknowledges the feelings that we're having, but it also doesn't say that I need to do anything about it further, other than be in the moment, other than to be here. And, 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 we, and then in that, we are writing out that anxiety, that, that momentary sense of distress that will always pass. But to say that, to say that we are without skill or that we're out or we are without any tools to be able to manage it and to say that we then need to have a warning about it is, is kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and selling ourselves short. But to the point about non-engagement responses, I'll say, while I said stay, stay and face them, I'll say unless your trauma therapist or other healthcare provider suggests or tells you otherwise. So all of this should be taken into account with what your clinician, what your therapist is telling you uh, and advising you to do. Lastly, we should all be practicing flexibility and personal accountability. Now, this is part of one of those things that, that is just feels unpopular uh, to even say. And it's not blaming the victim, but it's to say that we, we all need to be able to take responsibility for ourselves and our reactions in a sometimes unpredictable and triggering world. We need to know that some things are going to be upsetting and annoying and frustrating, but we also need to own that ourselves and figure out ways that we can best deal with it without the expectation that other people are going to do that for us, that other people are going to manage it for us. We are the responsible parties for ourselves. And it's frustrating, though. It is frustrating. I remember years ago when I was going through um, uh, some health issues, um, it was a, it was a very personal, very sensitive health issues that were incredibly upsetting to me. They were incredibly overwhelming, and it, 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 was, it was one of the hardest times of my life. For whatever stinking reason, that subject was everywhere it was on every show we watched every this is an exaggeration it was on many shows that we watched it was on many movies that we watched it was in popular culture people were talking about this thing and it felt like we just couldn't escape it we my wife and i we just couldn't escape it it was so bothersome um now again while i say it was everywhere it was probably it, in re retrospect it was probably only a few places but Gosh, when we're dealing with something intense, we feel like it's everywhere. And I fell into the trap myself uh, as I'm talking to you all that that though it we that we felt like it was everywhere, it was probably just a few places. But I'll tell you, it was incredibly bothersome. But I also found a way to stick to it, stick through it. Stay. I, I, what I did was, you know what? I, I was able to say, gosh, this is really bothersome. Or, oh, it's this again. And I tried to be humorous about it. And like, you know, do my eye roll approach, right? Ugh, this crap again. Or, oh, of course they're going over this. Or, of course this is in this show again, right? That it's everywhere. And it kind of became a joke. This is the thing that they're talking about everywhere. Of course they are. Eye roll right? Now, it's been some years since that happened, since that occurred, and I'm actually able to laugh at it now. And I've made jokes about it um, with my friends, and I'll make jokes about it. My friends are like, are you sure you can joke about this? And it's like, yes, this is my information. But I sat through it and ride, rode through that discomfort, and I was able to get to the other side. So, but I didn't know where it was going to show up, and it showed up. So while I say all of that, I want to say, you know, on, on the other hand, and this is kind of a meandering podcast intro, and I apologize, and y'all can skip through this if you want to. But um, after thinking about this more, reading about this more, and talking to other people about trigger warnings, kind of my, my position has kind of become more nuanced, and I suppose, I suppose, compassionate. So I understand that trigger warnings do have a greater purpose of acknowledging someone's humanity and their potential pain. So. I mean, recognizing that some people just may be experiencing, maybe experiencing hardships where I don't, at least, I guess at least not right now, can be incredibly um, validating to somebody. So I guess, so offering trigger warnings with subjects that I can readily identify as potentially upsetting, maybe a really compassionate perspective to take. Because I'm, because I'm conflicted. Everybody, I'm conflicted. I would love to help people not feel pain, just as a person, as Kevin, not the therapist, Kevin, not as the podcast uh, host. I, I, I would love to help people not feel pain or discomfort if I could, and yet, 
I want to help people feel emotional pain and discomfort so that they can overcome it. It's kind of my weird job. I mean, I hate needlessly making people feel pain, but I mean, I also professionally make people feel bad. But also, I know that sometimes we feel bad, and that feeling bad is part of life, and that we're not entitled to a pain-free life. So, I, I, I legitimately struggle with this. And additionally, we need to remember that pain, this is a quippy saying that it sounds like an Instagram post. Um, the old phrase that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. I mean, you and I can work on our perspectives um, uh, on and towards our pain and our willingness to face it and our willingness to engage in treatment uh, um, for, our, for our various sources of pain. But we have to anticipate that we will feel emotional discomfort, pain, pressure, stress in life. So, I'm, I, I don't necessarily know if I've come to a solid conclusion other than, ladies and gentlemen, in the, future, in the future, I may offer trigger warnings for some content that I may be able to identify as bothersome to people. I sometimes put a, a, um, a, 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 a an adult content notice on, uh, on some episodes. You might see that for some episodes. But I'll tell you, I also may not offer trigger warnings. I offer the the content information for what the podcast is about in the, the episode description. But outside of that, I, I may not. I may warn some listeners about uh, that this content ahead. And well, I, then again, I who knows? Because simply put, I just don't know what's going to be triggering to somebody and, and what won't. But I will say this. I would love to know if there is a trigger in the, the content, if there was something in the, these episodes that were bothersome to you, that I didn't warn you about, that you didn't know about, that it just creeped up, crept up, and gotcha, I'd love to hear about what that content was and what you did about it. So, how did you manage your reaction? What was your what response did you come up with? What worked? What didn't work? That's what I think would actually be more, more interesting, what, what would be more important. So, if you have follow-ups to this, and I'm going to put this before the interviews, if you have follow-ups to this or have any questions, comments, hate mail, um, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Send it to me uh, in the submit a question link. I will read it. I will see it. Uh, but I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this. And again, if there was content that was overwhelming to you, what did you do in response to it? So that's what we're trying to do, right? We can't avoid all pain. We know that we're going to experience pain and discomfort. So how are we going to see it through? How are we going to go live our life and know that sometimes we're going to feel triggered? So without further ado, everybody, here's some of the interviews with, uh, with my guests, Nathan Peterson, Kelly Frankie, and Lauren Rosen. All right. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast to talk about trigger warnings. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to, to come on here and, and talk to you. Yeah, of course. Well, so you you obviously have a very popular YouTube channel talking about OCD and anxiety and anxiety treatment. And, you know, sometimes we're going to talk about really uncomfortable and awkward things. Um, and, uh, and and sometimes that can be triggering to some people. And, and there there is a, a strong movement right now for uh, trigger warnings, requesting trigger warnings. And uh, I wanted to find out what your experience has been with trigger warnings and uh, what, what thoughts you might have for or against them mm -hmm. yeah well you know the videos that i do you know various different topics and it, it's very tough i i was debating man should i put a trigger warning probably on every video because some people can get triggered by anything mm -hmm. and i decided you know started doing these about a year ago a little longer than that and decided i don't think i'm going to put a trigger warning at all on these videos and see what happens. And because my initial thought was, you know, if I put a trigger warning on here, I'm kind of already saying that there's something dangerous mm -hmm. about this show, um, something dangerous about my video that is, is going to trigger you, whether it is or, or isn't. And so I decided, decided not to. Um, and so far, so good. I, 
I've only received one one comment from somebody ever that it was like, you know what, I think you should probably put a trigger warning in this because it really caused a panic attack in me when I watched your video. And so for me, you know, it, I, I remember seeing that person's feedback and thinking, oh, dang, I messed up. I need to put some trigger warnings on here. And after really thinking through it, I was thinking, wait, no, my, you know, my job is not to protect you from these triggers. My job is to help you understand what to do when you are triggered, which is the whole concept of my videos in the first place is here's what to do essentially when you are triggered by this specific OCD topic or anxiety. And so that's the hard part is, you know, I think a lot of people maybe don't know how to respond. Uh, but at least my, my view on those trigger warnings is we literally can be triggered by anything. Uh, somebody could be talking about, you know, a cute little bunny in their backyard and somebody could hear it and say, well, I had a bunny that, you know, something came in the backyard and took it. And I, every time I hear anything about a bunny, I get triggered and I feel anxiety and I feel distress and anger. And, you know, we, such a simple little story, but anyone can be triggered by anything. And so I try for, at least for me, is there isn't really one topic that is worse than another. It's kind of the mindset we put on it. And for me, I don't want to put that mindset, at least on, on my videos of like, this one's more dangerous than this one. Um, and at least that's kind of my viewpoint on, on some of those trigger warnings. Uh, I could see how they could possibly be helpful in some ways or another, but it's really how is the person going to respond to it. Uh, the ways that it's going to be helpful, I actually was thinking about this before talking to you, like mm -hmm. how, will, how would a trigger warning be helpful? And what it comes down to is like, uh, maybe the person would see it to use it as an exposure. I, I want idea. to be triggered possibly by this. And so I'm going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but not everybody's in that boat. Not everybody wants to do that. Right, right. Not not everybody's ready in their recovery journey to to intentionally set out to feel uncomfortable. Um, they 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 might be of that. They might just be at the very beginning, or even before the beginning of treatment, and and everything seems threatening around them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In in what contexts have you? I guess have there have there been? Or I guess are, are there some contexts where you would advise? trigger warnings, either in, in videos or other types of content, I guess, where, where might they be beneficial? Yeah, I, at least for me, because I have some pretty, I mean, like harm OCD specifically, talking about some pretty interesting things in there that can definitely, I could see tr could trigger people. Um, maybe a trigger warning is you know, I'm going to be talking about harm OCD or no, maybe I'm going to be talking about something completely simple, but then I talk 15 minutes on harm OCD and you're totally not expecting that, that, you know, I don't even know if a trigger warning is warranted there, but it might be more of, here's all the topics we're talking about in this thing. I'm not going to put value on if they're dangerous or if they're not. Uh, so more, maybe a description more than a trigger warning. Mm -hmm. Talking about harm OCD, we're talking about all these other topics as well. Your choice if you want to listen to it. Um, that way, me as the producer is not automatically telling you what what is dangerous and what's not. Yeah, kind of maybe some. Uh, it sounds like you're talking about some self accountability for 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 looking into the content that you're about to engage with. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of an interesting concept. Then, like, in, in if you were to put out a video, and and if you were to to talk about something, you know, dangerous or uh, dangerous, something you know, violent or graphic in nature, that uh, perhaps you might address that in some of your in like the description of the episode, and leave it up to the person as to whether or not they're willing to jump into it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but but I think you're right, and, and you know, you and I are in the same boat of trying to help people to deal with triggers when they arise because. You know, I, I love that bunny example, right? It's that uh, you, you never know what is going to be triggering to somebody. And you could be talking about something very innocuous to, to you and me. But all of a sudden, that person is, you know, a person that you couldn't anticipate is freaked out by this because of that one thing that happened that one time to them. And it was traumatizing, it was uncomfortable, it was whatever. 
what advice or guidance would you give that person who all of a sudden is triggered by something that they they weren't warned about they couldn't even anticipate mm-hmm. yeah i for me i look at well what what meaning did you put upon the thing that you were just triggered about and th- that's where i look at is it wasn't necessarily the thing that you heard that is the problem the thing that that's the problem is the way you responded or even the automatic sense that the body responded to it. That we say, let's actually sit back and maybe not put any judgment to it. We're just hearing what we hear. So if we say, I heard something that, you know, I talked about a knife, for example, and like, Oh man, I, that, I don't like knives. I can't believe you just talked about that. That I just put a lot of judgment upon them by saying, I don't like knives. They're you know possibly dangerous. It's, you know, what I would definitely advise people to do is, you know, everyone's kind of in their own uh, in their own boat. But it's how can I not put value on this right now? That I heard heard the word knife. If I immediately turn it off, then I just said, "Ooh, this is dangerous," and I don't know if I can handle it again in the future. For me, I say, well, maybe we just keep listening, and and as we're listening to it, we're not saying knives are good, knives are bad, or saying like, it's a word, and words are words. Uh, we learn to say how, and it probably sounds like a broken record of like, how can I respond differently? But that's really what it's all about. Like, even if it's a, can I put my shoulders back? Mm-hmm. Can I smile? Um, how do I look when I'm listening to this thing? Cause if I look scared, I'm sending those signals that say that I'm scared. Mm-hmm. That we essentially kind of want to act like we don't care sometimes which feels like a lot of acting but the brain needs to know sometimes that it might be thrown out a false signal that really it doesn't know any different unless we train it to be different right right so we, we so in the face of a trigger you're you're advising we treat it as if it's not scary even though we may be uncomfortable with it emotionally we can we can choose which responses we're going to have and show ourselves that this thing doesn't need to be cowered uh, from. It doesn't need to be something that, that we need to freak out about. It can be treated like it was any other innocuous topic, but we, we choose how we're going to respond and how we're going to, in a sense, define that thing. Are we going to define it as good or bad or safe or dangerous? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one thought that came to my mind is mm-hmm. that, it's not through using logic necessarily. Uh, it's not through saying, okay, wait, knives, I, I need to just tell myself knives aren't bad, so they're not going to be bad. It's not trying to convince yourself necessarily. It's more just saying, all right, well, I heard the word, so how can I, my body's responding to it. I need to just really act like I don't care, essentially. So if I turn this off, I just said I care. If I'm turning down the volume, I just said I care. Mm-hmm. I need to teach my body that I don't care. And it's not through necessarily convincing myself. It's through acting like I don't care. Um, And if it says, man, this is going to be horrible. I might feel anxiety all day long and I might have a panic attack. For me, I always say those magic words are maybe, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Uh, To keep it with that uncertainty that we really don't know what's going to happen in the future. And it's okay to not know. Uh, and that teaches the brain that I'm all right with that uncertainty. I'm not going to respond to any threat necessarily that comes to my mind. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I love what you're describing here as well, because it really emphasizes resiliency and that, and that we are able to, in a sense, take the punches of life, as it were, because there will be times that are just stressful or times that are going get, to get at us, maybe, maybe for a trauma, maybe just for something that we've experienced, but that, that it would not break us, but that we can take that and allow for us to feel whatever we're feeling and then keep and show ourselves that we can, we have space for that. We have capacity to deal with that and to move through it to whatever the next thing is. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really do feel like we can move through anything. There, mm-hmm. there isn't something that we, we really can't get past. Um, but the only way that our brain can do that is when we train it to do that. Right. Right. So practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your input on this. And um, I, if you want to check out more of Nathan's videos, check him out on, uh, on the YouTubes. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> OCD and anxiety is the, is the name. Pretty unique. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to put a, a, a link up to your, uh, to your channel. But, uh, but again, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, Kelly and Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about talk about tr trigger warnings. So as you and I have talked about, or as we have talked about a little bit uh, just before this and nothing else before this, surely, um, that uh, <laughs> we wanted to just talk a little bit about uh, trigger warnings, your your feelings about them, your experiences with them, um, and kind of thoughts about how, how they can, should, or how they do, can, or should relate to the anxiety and OCD community. So I will leave it up to you. It looks like... Um, Looks like Miss Frankie, Ms. Frankie, Mrs. Frank Kelly has her hand up. Go. So I'm going to ask you a question, actually. Are you sure you really want us to talk about trigger warnings? <laughs> I have a thought on that. I don't think he would have asked us on his podcast to talk about trigger warnings if he didn't. I know. I, it didn't. The humor didn't translate right. I was basically trying to get the trigger warning. Mm -hmm from him about us that we're going to trigger some people yeah that's yeah that's thoughtful it, yeah it's thoughtful it didn't the the joke didn't land it's fine I, moving I, on I, I love it and i know we talked about editing but i'm gonna leave that right in um <laughs> but uh but yeah so i yes absolutely would love to have you to talk about trigger warnings that yes to lauren's point that's exactly why i had both of you on so, um, but yeah, there, there is a part of this is just a discussion about what your thoughts are on it. There is no necessarily right or wrong way since we are the idea of trigger warnings and the use of them seems to be maturing and developing just day to day, week to week. But, um, but, but I'm curious about what your experiences have been with them and, and your present thoughts on them as controversial or not as they may be. Well, on that note, um, no, I, uh, I actually think that to talk about trigger warnings and how I feel about them, I have to first talk about triggers and how I feel about them. And I think that my view changed significantly after I went through my own OCD treatment and certainly has changed as a therapist that I used to think of triggers as a dirty word, right? They were bad. And I, I think that that's probably most people's experience of them initially is like, Ooh, I don't want this thing. And unfortunately that's so counter to recovery. And so the paradigm shift from triggers are a problem to triggers are necessary and learning to live with triggers requires a lot of triggers to happen. How many times am I going to say the word triggers, by the way? Triggers, triggers. Lots. A thousand. Yeah. Anyway. Someone get track. <laughs> Somebody ring a bell every time I say it. But I, I really, I think that the, the reality is that triggers are opportunities. And as soon as we shift from triggers of the problem to triggers or opportunities, then I, I think that that informs, from my vantage point, the necessity of trigger warnings and, and the helpfulness or lack thereof of trigger warnings. Because if if there's a warning, you're not going to be triggered, right? Or you're not necessarily going to be as triggered, and that's going to make it less of an opportunity potentially. Not that actually, I'm going to. Add one more caveat. Obviously, when we're doing when we're doing exposures, we're triggering ourselves on purpose, and we know it's coming most of the time, at least to some degree. Uh, so it's not like it takes it fully away. But I, I think that this idea that we need to be warned of something that we're trying to learn how to just make space for and make part of our daily lives and be accepting of it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive. I think that's brilliantly said. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kelly, any Thanks. any thoughts or how would you what what are what are your further thoughts on this or disagreements? Yeah, I completely disagree with everything you both have said. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, I'm triggered. So I'm triggered. Um, yeah, too soon. Okay, so let me, I guess, tell talk about my experience a little bit with it because my experience is actually OCD was secondary for me. I um, was diagnosed with PTSD, and I have trauma, and as Kevin and Lauren both probably know, but probably more Kevin because I work in an office where I have a blind side and my the way our offices were set up, I have a huge startle response. Like, right, Kevin? She really, really does. I think it's, I almost killed her a, a hundred times. Just yeah. I, Well, also, to be it's fair, real. I come in and out of doors very quickly and abruptly. Yes, and true. that is alarming to some people. And even my, my wife, who shares an office with me now and share, is the office next door to me, uh, she has said, you really, you're really loud with doors. Well, and you move swiftly through them. Like you're not, you mean business. Like you're like in and out. This is a serious transaction between you and the door. I don't have time to deal with doors. Okay, fine. I no, just get in the way. They, really they do. do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whew. All right. So point is, is that I was told multiple times, startle response is one of the hardest things to get rid of. And the harder I try to remove that startle response, it seems like the stronger it gets. But the point is, is there's always going to be triggers around me that cause a, a, a trigger. There's some type of trigger that is going to give me some type of response that I don't like. It's either going to be the startle response. It's either going to be, I want to crawl into a ball and, and remove myself from all human beings. Um, and neither of those are good. Right. But the reality is, is they happen all the time. I cannot avoid them. I have to live with them. And in fact, it's good, just like in the OCD world, it's good because now I'm learning to have a new relationship with somebody running out of the door really fast. It's not a predator. It's just Kevin. And maybe he's a predator. I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Great white shark. Here he comes. We will all have to live with the uncertainty about that. Well, so I, I appreciate both of your experiences. And I mean, it's, it, it is interesting to hear your perspectives on trigger warnings as they, as they, to a certain degree, they come to the same conclusion, but they're also you're also approaching it from a different angle. One from kind of more more um, OCD anxiety perspective, one from more of a PTSD perspective. Uh, and I appreciate both of you for for sharing that and being vulnerable with uh, the listeners on that. I'm I'm curious though about is there so it sounds like your your perspective is that we we need to be able to find a way to make space in our life for triggers just kind of knowing in life that we're going to be triggered by stuff is there and and therefore then the trigger warning itself kind of undermines at least from kind of lauren's perspective it's going to undermine the effectiveness of the exposure in um the exposure treatment so that we're not kind of getting used to the fact that exposures exist if, in in your opinions, is there any appropriate use of trigger warnings? Is there a time when trigger warnings might be appropriate or helpful or beneficial? I think uh, actually, and I'd, I'd love to have a dialogue with you, Kelly, about this right here, right now. Um, it, I think the whole idea with treatment for OCD, anxiety disorders, and for PTSD, for that matter, is about learning to have this better relationship with our triggers, like you just said, Kevin. That being said, we all know that it's gradual, right? You don't have to do it all in one fell swoop. And so from that vantage point, I'm not the anti-trigger warning over here. I think that if there is something that is intense and that has a high likelihood of eliciting an intense response from a lot of people that having that warning there and just saying, Hey, just FYI, this is what you're about to look at 
in, in some cases can make sense because it allows for people to self-select and to, as long as the general idea is, okay, I don't need to get rid of triggers or, or try to escape them. That, that being able to navigate a trigger in a gradual manner does make sense in some respects. So how's that for totally contradicting my last thought on this? It's not. I think it's that it's nuanced, right? And it's a dialectic. <clears throat> yeah. And I think um, in my own treatment for both, you know, trauma and OCD is that, like I said, and we've all been saying, you cannot avoid them. You, we can definitely shift, shift the paradigm and say, this is an opportunity to grow and to learn that this is actually a pretty safe trigger, right? So that it's no longer a trigger. But I think even as a therapist who treats OCD and anxiety, as we all do, is that we titrate it. We don't just like we don't flood people we yeah. we create a hierarchy or we pick and choose certain things right like we're not going to torture our clients <laughs> that's not we want to have them back in our office is my point mm -hmm. so the end of the day you can give an exposure on their way between your office and their house there's going to be some type of unexpected trigger that's going to send them through the roof it's not going to kill them though it's not going to hurt them. Probably. Probably we're, they're not going to die. Hopefully. Maybe, though. Yeah. Well, we Maybe. have to accept uncertainty. As, we do. As we all know too well. But yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, there's going to be some sort of trigger. And to that end, I think if there's not a trigger warning on something and you get triggered... It, it's an opportunity to find your strength and to see your capacity rather than an actual issue. You can handle it. You yep. can handle it. And in, you know, prolonged <clears throat> exposure work um, with trauma stuff, it's a lot of it is actually drop. It's mindfulness, right? And being aware of the physical experience of anxiety and actually using the SUD scale and listening to an audio recording and you're listening to it you're rate, rating it and then once you're kind of out of that distress the window of distress is it window of tolerance window of tolerance mm -hmm. once you're out of your window of tolerance which you know this is an audio recording or i would draw it for you um then you want to just kind of pause and come back and use grounding techniques, right? Is that we're trying to learn how to pace ourselves in a manner that's like, okay, I can handle coming right out of that window of tolerance and being really feeling out of my body. And I can actually learn how to re-regulate myself back in. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, and and, and you're, you're already getting to what my next question was going to be, which is if, uh, uh, what advice would you give to someone who is who is either starting their exposure route and trying to figure out where they fit in or how, how they're going to better interact with the world around them? Um, how, how do they? Well, how should somebody best deal with triggers? Is there a is there are there some tools or techniques that you'd recommend just off the bat to deal with triggers broadly? Um, and, and how does that work if they don't get these trigger warnings? And how can it work if they do get trigger warnings? To just make it more complicated, I suppose. I, I think when somebody actually says, hey, there's this is a trigger warning. Do you know what happens? You no. get triggered. <laughs> oh. Believe it or not, I read into this research at some point, mm -hmm. you actually get triggered because your brain is so creative that the moment someone says trigger warning, it fills in the blank. Boom. Trigger has occurred already. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to cite some of this research at the very top end of the show as well. Yeah, now I have to find it. <laughs> Minor details. Shoot. This was a while ago, but I'll find it. I'll find it. Just make a note. Yeah, but that's the thing. So I guess one way or another, you're getting the trigger so that you can work with it. Right? I mean, yeah. if you're getting triggered by the trigger warning or triggered by the content, 
And the, the problem is that, uh, sorry, I know this is maybe a little bit of a digression, but that triggers are so varied that if we were to cover everybody's triggers, there'd have to be a trigger warning on everything, which I think is just a, a different way of saying what we've already said, but just. But I, but I also, that's, that, totally. that's also, that's also a good point is to a certain degree is the impetus for this episode itself is that um, I, 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 and I, I will have shared this story already, but um, I, I had an episode talking about, let's say topic a, and then someone messaged me and said, well, they really wanted a trigger warning for topic B, but I wasn't, but it had nothing to do with topic A. I would have no idea because I referenced something related to topic B throughout the episode in relation to topic A, but the episode was not about topic A and topic B was about four seconds of discussion. Right. So there's kind of this like balance of like, well, where does the, how does one deal with the reality that sometimes, even though I could have, I mean, I did say at the top of the episode, we're going to be talking about topic A. That was the title Mm -hmm. of the episode. There almost was this expectation, well, I'm going to be talking about things related to this, but topic B that was not expected. But then again, I had no idea that topic B was going to be a trigger. How Mm -hmm. can... Yeah. I guess where where would you see the ownness of this? And I suppose to a certain degree, there there is a reassurance seeking on my end to make sure I that I am not the a hole in this. But it's also, but I've I've also to a certain degree let myself off the hook because how was I supposed to know that topic B was the problem, or was right. ever going to be a problem? So I think what we all learn right now is A-hole. that Kevin is anxious. How dare moral, you? How moral of the story is he moves quickly through doors, uh-huh. anxiously. <laughs> You're I, welcome. I don't like that this podcast all of a sudden started talking about me. Let's talk about you two now. Yeah, we already talked about me. Okay, the uncertainty, right? It's all about uncertainty. We don't know. There's no guarantee mm-hmm. that even by saying this is a trigger warning, that you're not going to even just trigger somebody who's like, oh, no, it's fine. I can handle this. There's just, you can't, we don't know. No one knows. There's no answer. Right. In terms of dealing with it, in terms of mm-hmm. your question about how would I advocate for somebody to deal with a trigger, mm-hmm. to deal with a trigger, so much of it is about making space for the discomfort that comes after that trigger's arisen. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love acceptance and commitment therapies technique of expansion and finding where your feelings live in your body. How do you know you're uncomfortable? Well, I've got this sort of like tightness in my chest area and I've got a lifting feeling in my stomach, what have you. And then breathing in and making space for those feelings, not I'm going to breathe in uh, the good and breathe out the bad. Like I think so many of us were heard as, as children, like, ah, here good cleansing breaths or whatever, that it's more about like, how do I be a gracious host to this feeling? Right. And, and yeah. Oh, sorry, go, Kelly, go ahead. Uh, what I was just going to say, I think this is what I was talking about in terms of the trauma exposure work is that, we are intentionally triggering ourselves when we were when doing that work and to then notice when our body has kind of when it's literally trying to remove itself our brain is removing itself from our body because we're so overwhelmed and to say okay it's happening and then using grounding techniques what do i hear what do i smell what do i taste what do i feel right like coming back to those five grounding is that's how we get into the present moment and still have anxiety because when we're doing that we're actually not getting rid of anxiety we're just coming back to the present moment anxiety is still high i promise you because i've done it so many times i've probably done it 10 times already today honestly but it's it's a bit you know we have good weeks and bad weeks and hard weeks i should say challenging Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sounds like it's the, the, the continual return to how do we make space for the fact that we're going to feel uncomfortable and that anxiety is just part of living life. And also knowing that for, for some of us, we have, some of us will have more anxiety than others. And if we are one of those people that have the more anxiety, knowing that we are going to be triggered more, but that we can tolerate that. 
and anxiety is just one of those you know stupid feelings that shows up from time to time that eventually will go away and eventually will come back but not treating it as if it's the end of the world no quite the contrary treating it as again this opportunity and this is where i kind of building on expansion i kind of like the idea that you're gonna like huff your anxiety Oh yeah, I'm not. Hates. By the way, I'm not advocating for huffing, nor have sure, I ever huffed. Sure, sure, yeah, Lauren. I know, right? Ooh, right? Kevin and I know different. Yeah, I made it to AA at 19, but I never huffed. How's that for not, interesting? Not yet. Oh, interesting fun fact. Not yet, not yet. But to really like, you know, like I'm gonna get a good <laughs> nose full of that anxiety. <laughs> you know, like mm, yeah, like dig in. Um, and having that That's attitude, the, the sort of exposure mindset of wanting it, like Reed Wilson says. Yes. I think it's funny because my, my therapist who walked me through a lot of my recovery with trauma work was, uh, and I'm actually intentionally only talking about trauma because I think Lauren's got covering OCD, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's not because I have anything against talking about OCD. But uh, she goes, Kelly, what's it like for you driving from work to here? Like, I imagine you're trying to get yourself pumped up, right? Like you're going to battle. Yes, that's what it's like. But in a good way, right? It's like, I am going to go get it. I like I'll roll down my windows. I'm like, I'm coming for you. It's just going to battle. And it was, it's in a very empowering process. There's going to be times though, where it's just, it hits you in a way that you weren't expecting trigger warning or not. Right. Yeah. So being open to the unexpected. Correct. All right. Well, I don't want to take up more of your time. I appreciate both of your uh, opinions on this. Thank you Thanks. for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. It was really nice to be on. Anytime. All right, everybody, thank you so much for making it through that potentially very controversial, potentially very upsetting and annoying episode. So I apologize. Don't apologize, but I apologize um, in, in a sense. So, but thank you all for making it through. If you have questions or comments or feedback about this, again, go to fearcastpodcast.com. Send me a message over there. I'd be happy to hear it. And man, if this just blows up the world and everybody hates it, I would be more than happy to post a bunch of comments and a bunch of your feedback on a future episode. Um, but if you have questions for a future episode, go over to, again, go to fearcastpodcast.com, go to the submit a question link and send it to me over there in text. If you would like to send an audio uh, question that uh, will get bumped up to the top of the list for me, um, send it to questions at fearcastpodcast.com or again, send it, send me the link through, uh, uh, through your Google, your, your shared Google account or wherever it is that I can download it from. All right, everybody, please remember that the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions uh, about uh, treatment and want to get started with your own therapy, go to fearcastpodcast.com, go to the Find Help link, and there'll be some stuff that might be a little bit helpful for you over there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.